Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Intersectionality. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Angela Raven Anderson. In this segment, we explore how our understanding of God and who God is calling us as believers to be is informed at the intersection of race, gender, and religion. We examine how the combination of liberation, womanist, and egalitarian theology presents an understanding of God's kingdom that embraces, restores, uplifts, and transforms all who would enter therein. When we consider and learn from the wisdom gained in the lived experiences of women of color, our view of God's kingdom is stretched, contextualized, enriched, and expanded. So let's listen to their voices as they move us beyond the stained glass ceiling. Today on our show, we welcome the Reverend Dr. Dominique A. Robinson, a New Jersey native who is a millennial womanist homiletician and a justice advocate. Reared in the Pentecostal tradition, she answered her call to ministry at the age of 13. Dominique earned her Bachelor of Arts in Government from Georgetown University, a Master of Divinity and a Master of Theology from Candler School of Theology uh, there at Emory University. She has also earned a Doctorate of Ministry degree from Columbia Theological Seminary in Gospel and Culture. Her dissertation, I Homiletics, Preaching That Clicks, is a groundbreaking research and consulting service to assist faith leaders with developing impactful ministry that employs technology and social media linguistics. She is currently a PhD student at Christian Theological Seminary in the world's first African-American preaching and sacred rhetoric program, PhD program. Dr. Robinson is the newly appointed John Hines Assistant Professor of Preaching at the Seminary of the Southwest in Austin, Texas, and she takes great pride in being the former Inaugural Dean of Chapel and Assistant Professor of Religion at Wiley College in Marshall, Texas. Dr. Robinson is an ordained itinerant elder in the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, and she is a member of the illustrious Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Dr. Dominique Robinson, welcome to the program today. How are you? Thank you so much for that very kind <laughs> introduction of an opportunity to share. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I am awesome. I am awesome. Well, you've mentioned um, scholarship in, in the world of the academy quite a bit. And um, I, I thought I, I did a lot of school and a lot of degrees, but Dominique, I think that you have me beat, dear. <laughs> and now that you are in this PhD program, I really did want us to talk a bit about your current research that's kind of in the area of mental health and biblical interpretation, or specifically, as we were talking about, looking at depression and Black preaching. Um, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about this, this topic. And what drew you to it? Oh, man. So I've yet to disclose to him because I haven't had the opportunity 
of who or what inspired me, but I'm going to share here. And then uh, hopefully I'll, I'll call a colleague to have me help me have this conversation. So I was at a Proctor conference in Memphis, maybe 2018 or 19. I cannot remember. It may have been earlier, but the conference was in Memphis. And we were at Dr. Gina Stewart's church and Dr. Jeremiah Wright was preaching mm. this was after he had had a stroke. Yes. And I sat in the balcony and I watched a group of men pick him up, pick mm. the wheelchair up, put it on the pulpit, then find a music stand. There was a notebook mm-hmm. with his sermon. And then someone, I, I can't remember if it was his daughter or his wife, but there was a female who stood next to him make sure the microphone stand was mm-hmm. close to his mouth and flip the pages of his manuscript for him to preach. And wow. I remember sitting up there thinking to myself, are we now, are we, like, I couldn't tell if we were listening for the word or we were just a room full of empathy or emotion. And that mm. is what triggered my research. And at the time, it was not around depression. At the time, I was very interested. When I first applied to the PhD program, which, by the way, was in the encouragement of Dr. Teresa Brown, um, when I first applied to the PhD program, I remember articulating my my research interest um, in what is the rhetoric around disabilities in the Black church? Um, And how much do we see or embrace a preacher who doesn't look the way we think they should look? Because I started to realize our churches are not as handicap accessible as we say they are, particularly not the podium, not the pulpit, not the choir loft. Um, for a pregnant woman standing behind a pulpit, that is not shaped for her her belly. Um, for a person who either needs crutches, I've had to preach in a boot before. It is not set up for my success to stand there and preach that way. And so my initial research was around just disabilities in the Black church and how what, how many Black preachers do we see or know with a visible disability that we mm. that we embrace or accept preached word from and it's still an underlying interest of mine it absolutely is it is an interest of mine of can we name preachers who are not um quote-unquote uh uh yeah that we can say oh yeah we go hear them preach because i wondered around dr wright is it because we knew who he was that mm-hmm. we're still able to sit and listen or still invite because where where are all the other preachers that are either in a wheelchair that are either you know whatever it needs to happen like where are right. they and are we listening to them um the ones who have these stammers right so what, what are we what are we doing i used to study Part of the reason I preach so quickly or talk quickly now is because when I was a child and went into speech pathology around my stutter, part of their recovery work was to increase the cadence. So a lot of times people tell me, you preach fast and they're offended by it or you need to slow down. And I'm like, if you only knew that if I tried to slow down, I would stutter the entire Mm -hmm. sermon. And then I wouldn't preach because now I'm embarrassed. Right, right. right. So so I I think about, so I still have, as you can hear, like I still have this, this deep passion around our, our rhetoric of, of disabilities, right? And yes. whether we see ourselves in God or, or God being disabled or all of these things, I have great interest in that. During the pandemic, um, watching people respond to grief and loss um, and isolation yes. um, and a pandemic, right? Depression and mental health became a, a huge thing across the world, right. but particularly more so of a concern of Black people because we are already in these United States of America in a cumulative and collective trauma state. And then the pandemic 
made us in some ways truly focus on the racial injustices that were occurring. And so what does that look like for preachers to be hope dealers wrestling with depression? Um, And so it's my connection of depression as a disability, particularly within African-American community. And so I'm I'm, the driving question of my research now is does depression impact biblical interpretation for black preachers? My my hypothesis or assumption right now is yes, but I'm still researching that. Informally, uh, I will go into formal research. As you all know, this this PhD process, I am I'm blessed. I'm doing an independent study over the summer with Dr. Christina Davis, and we're particularly looking at depression in African American community. One of the things we're looking at is does the brain of Black people function or look different who have been um, depressed or are depressed? You're going to have to nuance it, obviously, uh, between uh, like official kind of diagnoses or self diagnoses. Uh, if there is any medication or intervention regime, regime in place, uh, coping mechanisms and all that jazz. So we'll be looking at that over the summer. So, you know, hopefully you and I revisit this podcast and I have a little bit more of a results around it. Right now, my answer is yes. Um, I definitely think that uh, Black preachers, um, when looking at the text of Jacob wrestling with the angel, you might be just interpreting Jacob is wrestling with this angel and, you know, won't let you go until you, you bless me. I think with a uh, depressive diagnoses you find you start to wonder well was Jacob wrestling with the angel with himself um you know is this insomnia all night is this anxiety that is taking over right he's right to recon- yeah he's getting ready to reconcile with a brother that he did wrong so he sends everyone ahead of him because he needs a moment to himself uh he tries to sleep so is this a depressive sleep um uh you know what are the cope he tries to ground himself like there's to me there's so many things that happen in that text that now after kind of studying depression, PTSD, a little bit, anxiety. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Ezekiel just saw a value drop off or was he hallucinating after being an outcast as a prophet? Like, there's so many questions I have now from the lens. Or, or you know, or Elijah running, right, on the run. And 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 the anxiety that he's feeling, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 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 how that's the, the isolation that he's alone and guys, you know, God has to let him know you are not the only one. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, as you were thinking about this, do, do you think that there is a difference in the way that uh, depression is experienced or expressed or even handled, right? How do how our coping mechanisms based on race and gender? What, what is kind of your gut? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So so let me let me look, the woman is in me can't separate the race and gender piece, but I'm gonna try, right? So let me tell you, um, let me share this. Yes, I think the way depression is handled or experienced within the African American community is is handled differently. I think um <laughs> I think we were bought to this land in the oppressive state. I think we have had to fight for existence through depressive and traumatic experiences. And um, I think the very essence of soul food and spirituals and the institutional Black church is how we handle it. Like we found a way to take mm-hmm. leftovers and create a, 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 a cuisine, right? We In our spirituals, we found a way in sadness to still sing a song in a strange land. Black church, we still find a way um, to dance and shout even when sad. Like you, you ever been to a Black church, Black funeral? We sad, but we still, we don't, we don't think it as well with my soul. Um, right. And so I think there's something around the way we as Black people, even people who aren't church, so to speak, still find a way to say, oh my God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a way that I think we have managed or coped um, with depression 
that allows us in some ways to have this paradoxical, oxymoronic, hope-filled moment, uh, which, you know, some people would say is very emotional-based. And that's fine because that's our, our I, so so from an outside way, I kind of always say, like, our faith has been the coping mechanism. Like, our faith practices mm-hmm. have been the coping mechanism. Yes, there have been some negative coping practices. Yes, when we look about the high rate of drug use and mm-hmm. alcoholism and violence, these are manifestations that we are seeing within our community that I think have a lot to do with us deep, deep suppressing emotions because we had to do so to survive as slaves, to suppress the emotion of abandonment and and families being stripped of of sexual violence and abuse, of of second-hand or second citizenship status, right? So I think the suppression of the emotion to present strength and being strong, I think, contributes to the way we see depression manifest in itself. I think the pandemic has helped because it has allowed mental health to become a frontline conversation piece for many faith leaders. Um, and so it's no longer a taboo to discuss mental health, depression. We've seen suicides of yes. faith leaders, mm-hmm. of, of, of uh, Regina, Regina King's son, of uh, the, um, the, the the queen, the uh, um, beauty pageant queen. Oh, yes, uh, yes, who yes, jumped, yes, yes. Who, yes. who jumped, um, mm-hmm. right? And so we've seen these very obvious suicides in our community that have we had to stop to have the conversation, right? right? And we had to start to reevaluate, did Judas make it to heaven? Because, I mean, Judas was just fulfilling his assignment. So he Mm -hmm. committed suicide. Are we going to demonize? Like, whoa. So I think it made us have to pause and reflect on our theology, our practices, our conversations, our red flags, to be able to say it's okay to not be okay for Black people. Now, I'm going to push this a little further for women. We have always, Black women particularly, held the family together, held the church together, held the community together. Now in black preaching, because women were not always welcome, we made sure we didn't give any extra information to make you discount us. So I think that acknowledging Mm. depression, I think that acknowledging depression um, and dealing with it as a black woman in the black church is probably a little bit more challenging. Thus far, me preparing for my research, um, I'm looking to interview my very hopeful number is 30. I want to interview 30 Black preachers uh, across uh, gener- across age, gender, including including anyone who is uh, transgender, uh, definitely queer identity, right? So I want to do this interview. Most persons who've already agreed for me to interview them are men. Mm-hmm. And one, it plays a role in one. Many, many um, women aren't pastors, right? And I'm not doing pastors, I'm going to do preachers, but many women aren't pastors. That's right. one, that's probably why the first one. And then secondly, many women aren't like, Many women who have been pregnant won't even acknowledge postpartum depression, right. let alone depression, because you already see me as less than, because I have ovaries coming into this. You already think I'm emotional. So now right. for me to acknowledge any other kind of thing that might discount me, I won't articulate it. So I think it'll be a struggle for me to um, kind of find women who will be willing to do the interview with me. Uh, I don't plan to disclose anyone. I definitely want to keep uh, everyone um, everyone anonymous, but I think it'll be a little bit of a challenge. So my, my formal research around the interview will be summer of 23, where I'll be able to, hopefully the pandemic is cleared. There's been a little bit more of a stigma decrease uh, around mental health and depression in our community. And I will at least be able to announce this is what I'm doing so people can already know I might be coming to you. Um, so that's how I feel like it shows up and manifests itself. I think uh, the good that we see comes from the grit that we produce, right? So it comes from, you know, it comes from when we see Serena screaming on the court. Uh, right. It comes from 
you know, when we see the beauty of Robert Glasper's new album or PJ Morton's new album, it's the beauty we see um, in pastors like uh, Gina Stewart, a Freddie Haynes, a Marcus Cosby, uh, you know, a, a, a John, a Howard John Wesley, a Reginald Sharp, who um, had an oldest mom who's done series on anxiety and or depression. Right. who have shared their own struggle of overcoming some bouts and then preached hope to us, right? Right, so, right. I think we see that in that. So, so yeah, so I hope that we start to see it in scholarship more for the Black black religiosity, that we write about it, we produce it, and we say, here's, here's, here's a guide to follow. Registration is now open for CBE's 2022 International Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Join us in person August 5th through 7th as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28 beside leaders from around the world. Be a part of the conversation on women, race, and ethnicity. Register now before April 30th to receive the early bird pricing of $249. Visit CBE's website to register and see information on the event schedule, lodging, speakers, and sponsorship opportunities. We hope to see you there this August as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28. I was uh, a few years ago, I was on a panel and I remember uh, it was over at Texas Southern and we were discussing, you know, the myth of the strong black woman and how it can actually be very, um, um, what's the word I want to say, that, that it actually could be crippling you know, trying to live up to this, this ideal. Um, but it is something that, that, um, we have to balance for our mental health as women. Um, because we do, we, we take on that role. It, it, it is part of our role within our communities, within our families to, to be those who can strand, stand strong to hold things together, just like you said. And then how does that get expressed in our bodies and the illnesses that we carry and um, all of that? Uh, I, I, um, I was telling someone we recently at our congregation just, two weeks ago, did our first baptism in two years from COVID. And instead of what I thought I would be rejoicing, because I love the Sundays that we have baptism Sunday, you know, being a Church of Christ girl, you, you love baptism. And so um, I remember the rest of that week, I grieved I was like grieving because, and I feel like it was just a little bit of PTSD, right? From this whole COVID thing, just realizing how our world has been changed, how our world has been disrupted, how uh, what was normal has just been, you know, kind of tossed out the window. And and we are really kind of redefining, reimagining, re, re, recreating life now. And uh, as I thought about that, though, I just uh, because strong black woman, you know, all this time, just really, you know, holding firm. Yes, we're going to get through. Yes. You know, like you said, preaching the hope, preaching the, you know, push forward, push forward, push forward. And that was the first time that I think, you know, even in the midst of so many deaths, you know, and that praying for so with so many families and walking through these transitions, I think that was the first time for me personally that it just like, you know, and I just kind of released what I didn't even realize that I was holding onto, 
you know, within yeah. myself. Yeah. 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 So much, like you said, so much has changed where I was just sharing with somebody last night. I said, man, from now on, you're going to always have to get somebody a personal cake for their birthday because we're not going to, you can't blow on all the candles on the cake no more. <laughs> right. So like, it was like, and I, I don't even know why I was thinking about it. I was like, this show blow a candle and make your wish over here. And then we will cut this cake over here. And I was just thinking about like the changes, like you said, that it's made, but I think it's so true until we quote unquote crack, allow one tear, scream one time, you don't even realize how much you've been holding mm-hmm. in your physically. And then for black women, particularly our hormones, you know, uh, and I don't mean hormones in a bad way. I mean, like we do have to consider our level of our hormonal level, our level of stress, everything else that is contributing to our already, already kind of navigation of life. You know, like we're losing our hair. You're like, what do you think it is? We have been so conditioned to hold stress that when we start to exhibit pains from it, we don't even acknowledge it as such. Why do you think you keep waking up with a headache every day? It's not pollen, baby. Some of this, <laughs> like, you're like, oh, I got this pain in my left calf. No, it's not because you were wearing your heels. Your body is telling on you. Like you need to, and we don't Absolutely. do enough of, we don't do enough of that. It's cranking my neck. I slept wrong. You sleep wrong all month. Like, so even in that, you're not going to see a doctor, a chiropractor, get him a, you're not even going to pause to just, see with right, that when right, I played right, right. it and we don't we do you know we go all day we didn't eat all day while I was at the computer working we still function like slaves we think we have to produce yep. to survive right and it's the slave shadow and I know my generation calls it the hustle hustle and grind mentality but I, you can't hustle and grind to death yeah yeah. One of my very good friends, uh, that was her area that she did her dissertation on uh, having to do with self-care and the ability to um to properly minister, uh, if in the need for 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 uh, good self care, um, and it seems you know uh, we're talking about the pandemic that this is very timely research. Um, we've had pastors that have had to deal with you know you grief in in astronomical numbers. Um, they've had to deal with their own stress of financial instability that you know mm-hmm. shutting down their churches. Um, um, you know, the, the, the after effect of having to close their churches. Um, I, I think that, um, this is, this is such relevant work and I'm, I'm, I'm excited that you are going to be offering this to the body. This is really good. Thank you. Thank you. I just I, push it and going. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm, I'm hoping that even after we get through the dissertation, there's going to be a book or some workshops or something to come out of that. Absolutely. So I hope, um, I actually hope that uh, at the top of the new year, 2023, I'll be able to start offering some workshops around uh, particularly biblical interpretation, preaching, and depression, um, Mm -hmm. or what that looks like for us. So once I get through my summer kind of independent study, and then I sit down for comprehensive exams in the fall, uh, praying that I'm passing the first time around, I believe that going into the new year, I'll be able to kind of make use of all of this now that coursework is done and I'm moving into official research to be able to start saying, here are some initial conversations. Here are some focus groups. Let's let's have these conversations. Let's talk through some stuff. So I hope, like I said, at the top of 2023 to begin to start offering some things. Well, and so let me, and I want to just kind of close our loop now as we get to the end of this today. Um, As a womanist theologian then, how does your understanding of this God of ours, right? Um, this God that we serve who says that 
uh, this God who says that they are close to the brokenhearted and the God who takes up the case of the oppressed. How does uh, your understanding of God speak to these situations that we're talking about? Oh, so uh, I thank Dr. Valerie Ridgman for what I'm about to say. Um, yes, I believe that God is the God of the oppressed. Yes, I believe that God is near to the brokenhearted. Um, however, I have started to really wrestle with and understand the fact of like the other quote unquote aspects or tenets of God, right? This angry God or this jealous God or this patriarchal God um, or this harmful God. Uh, she, in a class we took back in January, uh, yes, had us looking at lots of Old Testament texts where God is like stripping the children of Israel uh, using very uh, sexual or violent language. Yes, uh, yes. Dr. Around, Renita right? came on and we were talking about with her uh, the God that is the jealous, abusive husband. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes, yeah. that's it. That's exactly it, right? <laughs> and so while I'm like, yes, God is the God of the oppressed goddesses, I'm like, God is also moody, uh, has an <laughs> attitude, gets angry, very possessive, quite jealous. And so, you know, I started to, to, to kind of wrestle with myself of like, I, I do a good job of highlighting, quote unquote, the good characteristics of God and negating the fact that if God is the creation of all things, then why am I not seeing God's role in the creation of kind of chaos or the creation or participation in some ways or maybe passive participation, right, in evil things, right? So when we think back about Job, like you made a whole deal on Job, but not just Job, Job's wife and Job's family. Like you did, you, you did this whole deal. When you, when you are, when, I'm, when we're looking at the prophets and you're going back and forth with the children of Israel, how are you going to snatch them of this and throw them away of this? It's like, yeah, so you're jealous that they're worshiping these other gods or you are being this possessive, abusive spouse and it's dangerous, right? And I mean, let's, let's, it's just, it is what it is. So I guess my answer to your question is, yes, God is all of those things and more. And right. we have to, if we free ourselves of making God only the good things, I think we might be able to reconcile with humanity better. Oh, how, how so? Help me understand how so. So I feel like if we, because we function with such dichotomies of black and white, literally mm. so many things, if we start to learn to embrace the gray or the both and versus mm -hmm. either or mm -hmm. with God, then we would be able to embrace them a little bit more differently with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. Good, good, that's good. how that's how that's what I think. Okay, well that that then really ties into so uh, because you know I was going to close out with that question about how um, is your work expanding our understanding of God and who God's calling us to be? Yeah, so I haven't gotten to the question of what is God's role in trauma and or depression, but I certainly mm -hmm. think God has a role. Um, and so I think that part of my work will help us to not see the black and white and dichotomy of just because you have depression or anxiety does not make you less credentialed or less qualified or capable of being a hope dealer. As a matter mm. of fact, if I'm going to get black and churchy, it might credential you and qualify you to preach such a word, right? Because you lived it, you experienced it, you navigate it. There's something about the eyewitness testimony that makes the testimony so powerful and believable, right? right? So there's, there's, there's the rhetoric for Dr. Thomas, if you listen to this. See, I'm paying attention to the rhetoric, right? And so there's this piece of, um, so I think that my work would help us expand our understanding of ourselves, our own capabilities, um, and then to see God's work 
you know, as if I were preaching, I would say, God is good even on a bad day. God is good even in a bad situation. So I think it has to, that's, that's the lens I'm looking to help us see. Um, and then hopefully to stop qualifying or describing our depressive state as bad or anxiety as bad or lack of faith. Uh, it is my goal to pick up on the work of Dr. Monica Coleman with Bipolar Faith, where mm-hmm. she talks about uh, by being bipolar, depressive states and faith. She comes in as a theologian, a woman is theologian, a Black Methodist. It's my hope to pick up on that work and move it to proclamation. Amen. Amen. Oh, that is so awesome. And I think that that is one of those things that when when we can begin to hear that, even in, in proclamation, that, that um, people will can, can find the hope in the midst of what they're going through, that they can find strength to hold on through whatever it is that they're experiencing in the moment and, and to understand that they are not abandoned by God, that they're not forsaken, that they're not forgotten. Uh, talking about Dr. Thomas, I remember that was one of, uh, uh, he preached uh, another friend of mine's, her, her, um, um, she was installation in, yeah, her, um, ordination, her ordination, um, service. And, and he was talking about God has not forgotten you because he's carved your name in the palm of his hands, you know? Mm. And, uh, he was saying when, when you have the dark moments in your life, when, when all of the, you know, the, the joy of the ministry has been outweighed by, um, like you said, the, the disappointment, the trauma, whatever it is that you're facing, um, he says, remember you are not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. And uh, that's, I always find that to be a great comfort, even in the middle midst of uh, whatever the situations are, whatever the situations. Right, right, right. right. Yes. Well, um, Dominique, Dr. Robinson, thank you so, so, so much for being our guest today. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, And for our listeners, I just want to say, Thank you as well for joining us today. Stay tuned for all of the brand new episodes that are coming to you weekly from our incredible team of co-hosts. Go to the show notes and learn how you can follow and support all of the members of our podcast team. And be sure to follow CBE International on Facebook and Twitter. You can go to our website at www.cbeinternational.org for even more content. Subscribe to our blog, magazine, and academic journal. Watch videos and listen to audio of past conferences and events. And I encourage you to go visit our bookstore where you can find a ton, a ton of talented authors and subjects that will enrich your own faith and equip you to use your God-given talents in leadership and service to the gospel for all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. I am Reverend Dr. Angelo Raven Anderson. And I would like to thank Landon, our support tech, and the entire team of CBE International that makes this podcast possible. We are Mutuality Matters. Thank you for listening. About CBE and our mission for biblical equality, then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.